From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Schott, budget and appropriations reporter. And it took a while, but Senate Republicans finally unveiled their coronavirus aid package on Monday, days later than they wanted. It took some intensive talks with the Trump administration to get Republicans on the same page on this. Even then, it's not a smooth opening. Democrats are already blasting it. Uh, But it does represent the opening bid for Republicans in terms of what they want in the next coronavirus aid package. Jen, does this thing need a rewrite? Yes, David. There are going to be intense negotiations that actually began last night within minutes of Republicans releasing various sections of their COVID aid package proposal. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer all met in the Speaker's office um, for about an hour of talks, a little over an hour of talks on Monday evening. Sounds like not a whole lot of progress is made, but that's typically how these negotiations go. We're going to need several days of both parties and the Trump administration meeting um, to hash out some of the less contentious issues in this bill before they move up to the areas where we think there's going to be significant disagreement. Um, And once they get there, those talks will really have a lot of back and forth, uh, kind of similar to what we saw in March when Congress negotiated the first three coronavirus aid packages where there's, you know, someone heads to a Democratic leader's office and then back to a Republican leader's office. And it's sort of like watching a ping pong match where the administration officials just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until finally the leaders will likely go to the floor and make an announcement about some big bipartisan proposal. Um, And then after that, I expect votes to go pretty quickly. Well, let's, we should just tick off some of the highlights of this, of this pretty massive package, some of which is not going to be all that controversial that, that may be in the bag. Um, but there's a debate over, is it enough? And that's where the partisan differences come in. But in the Republican package, there is another round of, of tax rebate checks to families up to $1,200 per adult. There's, uh, they did extend unemployment benefits, but it's a slimmed down version that Democrats don't like. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, there are expanded tax credits for hiring and retention. There's a workplace tax credit to help employers meet expenses to keep workers safe from the virus. They threw in a, a restaurant deduction, <laughs> uh, doubling the amount of deduction businesses can write off for business meals. Uh, that one may face some blowback. Federal agencies would get about $306 billion in emergency funding. Uh, the single biggest bulk of that goes, of course, to the Department of Health and Human Services for things like vaccine research, testing, other medical needs. But schools get over $100 billion to help them safely reopen. The military ends up getting almost $30 billion to meet pandemic needs of troops, and they've thrown in extra money for weapons. Uh, farmers would get about $20 billion in direct payments. And then the Paycheck Protection Program. This is the forgivable loans given to small businesses to keep their workers on the payroll during the pandemic. 
There'd be a second round of this where businesses who, who've gotten a loan could actually apply now and get a second loan. They made about $190 billion available for these loans, including a lot of money that was sitting there that still hasn't been spent. But that's a good chunk of change for a new round of business loans. They're trying to target these to even smaller size companies because you remember there was criticism that some of these went to large chains. So now they have to be fewer than 300 workers and, have, and show that they've, their revenue has dropped by at least 50%. We'll see how that program works if they need more tweaks to that program again. A big one for Republicans is this liability protection that Democrats don't like. But Republicans are insisting uh, that employers that open their businesses during the pandemic have to be shielded from coronavirus lawsuits. If workers get sick, they say there's without this, there's just going to be a rash of lawsuits that will bog down the economy. Democrats say workers need to be protected if they're going back to their workplace. That's going to be a huge fight. And in sort of a bout of fiscal conservatives, they threw in a provision to form these so-called rescue committees that are going to come up with plans to shore up the trust funds for Social Security and Medicare and, and highways. Really nothing to do with the pandemic at all, but it's, a, it's an attempt to show some fiscal discipline as they prepare to spend another trillion dollars of relief or more. Remember, there's a big difference here. House Democrats are seeking almost three and a half trillion dollars. This Republican package is really just roughly about a trillion dollars. That's a huge gap that has to be solved. And there was also another big surprise in this Republican package, Jen, wasn't there? Yeah, one of the things that I was a little bit surprised to see is that the GOP proposal for the next coronavirus aid package includes about $1.75 billion um, for a new Federal Bureau of Investigation headquarters in downtown DC. That's something that has been you know, going on in Washington, D.C. for years now. The FBI needs a new headquarters building. And originally they were planning to go out to either the Maryland or Virginia suburbs. Um, but when Trump came into office, that plan sort of changed a little bit. And the idea became to, you know, renovate or completely rebuild their headquarters on Pennsylvania Avenue, which is just a few blocks away from the Trump Hotel. And there's a lot of skepticism about that idea, rebuilding the FBI headquarters in the same spot it's in now, um, because there were some you know, indications that Trump was concerned that if the FBI you know, completely left that location and it sold to another sort of luxury hotel, that the Trump Hotel could have um, some competition just a few blocks away from where it is now. So this was something that was a little bit surprising to see in the GOP proposal. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was actually asked about it twice on Monday evening. The first time he didn't really seem to realize it was in the Republican pro proposal, which was a bit surprising to me. And then a few minutes later, when another reporter asked um, Senate Majority Leader about it, you know, saying this money is absolutely in the bill, uh, McConnell said... Well, with regard to that proposal, obviously we had to have an agreement with the administration in order to get started. And they'll have to answer the question of why they insisted on that provision. So that was a really kind of surprising response from McConnell, who in my experience is pretty calculating in his interactions and public statements about the Trump administration. And if you're reading between the lines there, that's basically McConnell saying, I don't care whether it's in or out. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch as, you know, Secretary Mnuchin and Chief of Staff Meadows 
continue to meet with Democratic leaders on the Hill to get to hopefully a final bipartisan agreement on this whole package. Yeah, the FBI building was clearly a White House inserted provision that no one else really wants in there. It has nothing to do with the pandemic, in all honesty. But that's part of the sausage making of getting a massive bill put together. And and we'll have to see if the White House gets its way on that or if they have to cave to the opposition on that one. We should say, I mean, at least publicly, uh, both sides are taking shots. I mean, this this thing did not go well. They're each taking shots at each other. Chuck Schumer was on the floor calling this proposal half-hearted and half-baked. He also called it weak tea. Weak tea when we need a stronger brew. I mean, yes. so they're flatly dismissing this whole package right now. And McConnell said the House Democratic plan, which is triple, more than triple the money of this package, McConnell called it a multi-trillion dollar socialist manifesto. So that doesn't bode well for finding a compromise uh, very quickly. No, but if you remember back in March, you know, there were all of these sort of large scale issues as well. And they were able to come to an agreement pretty quickly on that massive coronavirus aid bill then. And so I think, you know, we're in a pretty similar or potentially even worse situation economically and healthcare wise than we were in March Coronavirus cases throughout the U.S. are continuing to peak, particularly in states like California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. Um, Other sections of the country are continuing to have outbreaks as well. This is, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. Some hospitals are at or over capacity. Personal protective equipment is still extremely challenging to get, especially for people in the healthcare industry. There's still a lot of reports of nurses, doctors, lab technicians, you know, getting a mask for a week at a time or more. Um, and the unemployment numbers are still really high. And so there is still a lot of pressure on Congress to do something. There's pressure to act quickly, but there's some big fights ahead. And I think the biggest one, Jen, is going to be over this unemployment benefit because, uh, you know, the, the current one is of an extra $600 a week did not sit well with Republicans even back in March. They said it was too generous. It provided a disincentive to go back to work. That's going to run out this week. And Republicans are going to extend aid, but it's a very slimmed down version. They're, they're saying just $200 a week through September. And then a, a benefit that amounts to 70% of wages when you factor in the state unemployment as well. Um, so. Democrats are just dismissing that right off the bat and saying, if you're only going to do 70% of wages, it amounts to a 30% pay cut when people are hurting. Uh, and they, they clearly don't like that. And they're going to be pushing for a much more generous benefit. That, that's probably the biggest obstacle in reaching a deal, I think. I think that's definitely one of the more challenging obstacles. Absolutely. Congress is also going to have a lot of difficulty figuring out exactly how they can get bipartisan language on liability protection. This is something that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been saying for months has to be in any coronavirus aid package that Congress is going to do. So Democrats have indicated that they're supportive of this in some way, but how the language is actually written and sort of the quote everyone up there likes to say right now, the devil is in the details, is going to be something that's 
um, challenging going forward. Democrats want to make sure that workers are protected, especially if they're in situations where they are interacting with, you know, the public a lot in situations like healthcare settings or education settings. Right. That's a huge fight also. I mean, Republicans say that they're going to be hit with, the country's going to be hit with frivolous lawsuits. It's going to ruin the economy if they don't provide liability shields. And Democrats say if workers are going to be expected to go back to work, they have to have legal protections too and have the right to sue if, if they get exposed to the virus. And I, boy, that's going to be a tough one to, to um, find common ground on because both sides feel pretty strongly on that point. And McConnell was insisting that liability protection was a must-have for him. So that and unemployment are both big. And then, of course, there's this fight over state and local aid to state and local governments, Jen. Yeah, Democrats have been saying that this is key, a key issue for them for months now. Um, in the House Democrat bill, they put in nearly $1 trillion to help state, local, and tribal governments address the drop-off in revenue that they've had during these um, various iterations of stay-at-home orders. Um, and they really feel like this is necessary to make sure that you know state, local, and tribal governments can continue to function throughout the pandemic without having to do waves of layoffs. And so we know that that's something that Democrats want new money for in this bill. We've also heard from Republicans that they believe education funding is actually additional aid to state and local governments because much of the funding for your community school does come from local or state sources of funding, not necessarily the federal government. So that's going to be sort of an interesting messaging battle to watch and whether or not you know, Democrats at the end say, okay, education funding is actually additional aid to state and local governments, or whether or not Republicans say we're willing to give X amount of dollars in additional state and local money to make sure we get all of our priorities. Yeah. And to me, that really speaks to the divide here because Republicans are trying to keep this package to a price tag of about a trillion dollars Democrats want a trillion dollars just for state and local aid, never mind everything else. And that shows you how much of a gap there is between the two parties here in terms of what they think is really needed to, to cope with the pandemic right now. Obviously, a, a compromise is somewhere in the middle here. So, you know, I would think the difference between one trillion and three trillion is about two trillion. Uh, you'd think they could cut a deal, but, but, um, boy, time is running out. They're hoping to get this done by next week before the scheduled August recess, the month-long recess. What's your guess? Is that doable? I think it's extremely challenging. And I think key lawmakers and staff are going to have to put in really long hours. Um, but I think it is possible. I just think each side is really going to have to give more than just a little in this situation if they really want to get legislation approved before they head out of town on that August recess. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>